We're going to talk about magnitude seven metals and clean energy on this week's Renew Guru. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm executive director of Renew Missouri, James Owen, coming to you live on tape from our palatial studios in downtown Columbia. Also joining us from a separate part of the studio, our palatial studio in downtown Columbia, is our campaigns director, Philip Forsika. Hey, Philip. How's it going? Good. Is that your job? Director of programs, but it's good oh, enough. Program. <laughs> Same difference. I think I wanted you to be director of campaign, so I keep subconsciously doing that. So I'm sorry. Um, I mean, that's essentially what I do. So, you know, I think it's interchangeable. Tough. Yeah, because we're, we're here. I mean, usually we try to have somebody from outside of the organization on here because when we first started doing Renew Gurus and we had people uh that were employees on here i was told it sounded like i was interviewing a hostage <laughs> so well i would uh not agree with that i'm happy to okay. be here i think this is gonna <laughs> no, be a, a fun it conversation was, it wasn't you by the way <laughs> they said that about it was tim Obitz. okay he doesn't <laughs> um but he, he did seem like he was very reluctant to answer any questions probably because he was a lawyer is a lawyer and uh we loved him uh yeah, we loved great. him um yeah. but I, I think maybe that was rough one uh so you're here in regards yes. to one of these campaigns uh yeah. that we've been working on now everyone knows uh that we've been doing a lot of work in rural missouri we have really put an emphasis on rural missouri um i mean can you kind of in a nutshell summarize what it is we're doing in rural missouri like what we've been doing with the rural power coalition we'll start yeah, there so yeah, a lot of our uh, federally focused work with the Rural Power Coalition has been around the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, some of the great programs that we took the lead on as a coalition advocating for, such as the New Era PACE programs, uh, the REAP program, and getting more money into that unprecedented, unprecedented level of funding for that program for co-ops and community members in rural areas in the country. Uh, really some of the, the key issues and then the direct pay tax credits being uh, applicable to nonprofit entities, including co-ops and municipal utilities was also a, a big piece we've really been pushing for. Uh, so really looking at implementation of all those programs and all of that has had us taking a closer look at what's going on in Missouri communities. We've been having our meet and greets uh, across the state of different areas uh, that we're focusing in on. And as part of that work, uh, we spent a lot of time in Southeast Missouri talking to community members around there. And that has led to us really looking at, uh, you know, some issues uh, that are unique to them. Yeah. So we're talking about Southeast Missouri. I mean, and when we're talking about rural work, we're also talking a lot about rural electric cooperatives. Um, Associated Electric is the power supplier for the 40 some odd uh, distributive co-ops around the state. And they have, talking about Southeast Missouri, they have a coal plant in Southeast Missouri, don't they? Yep, sure do. The new magic coal plant. Yeah, now that's that's a pretty big coal plant. You have any yep. information over there about how much uh how much power they can produce? What are they what are they able to uh put out there on the uh out there yeah. uh, their customers? So they have a, a 1200 megawatt facility. Uh, they have two turbines each at the uh, the coal plant. Each one is at 600 megawatts, uh, but they are also dealing with a cap that they got from the EPA. 
uh, due to the sulfur dioxide levels of pollution that they're emitting uh, at that corner of the state. It's not just from their operation, but because of that, they're capped at 70%. So they can really only uh, generate 840 megawatts. Okay. So 840 megawatts of coal generated electricity. Uh, that's the capacity of this plant in, yep. in its current legal setting. Yes. You do more, but it's limited. And one of the reasons it's limited, and I think this is really important to what we're about to talk about, it's right next to another big plant yes yep what is that plant so that is the former naranda aluminum smelter that is now owned and operated by magnitude seven metals they're a european based uh, company but they have taken it over they've been operating it i want to say since 2018 2017 uh when they made that transition uh so they are a big user of power from some of our friends we've been talking to that work on aluminum issues have been sharing that it consumes about 450 megawatts when it's at full capacity uh, at their aluminum smelter there. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, like, honestly, the fact that, I mean, so yeah, this is the aluminum smelter and I, you know, and if you have been doing, if you've been following energy policy for like, let's say the past 15 years in Missouri, um, when Naranda owned this plant, uh, it was um, it was in a big fight with Ameren, who at the time was providing its power, and it was using up about ten percent of what Ameren produced uh, routinely. Put in context, that four hundred fifty megawatts is about what the city of Springfield uses. I mean, it's about the same amount we're talking about. So we're talking about a city yeah. of one hundred sixty thousand people versus this aluminum plant, and you know, consuming up the same amount of power. It's a lot of power. But Naranda was in a fight with Ameren. Naranda was constantly trying to get a special electric rate with um, with the Public Service Commission, even going to the point of trying to get legislation changed to do that. Ameren vehemently opposed that. Ultimately, the outcome of that, and I think Ameren would argue that there were other factors that went into it, but Naranda eventually filed for bankruptcy in 2016. I know it was 2016. It was February of 2016 because that is when I my first day as public counsel and public council had been on the forefront of the fight on behalf of Miranda, that bankruptcy was declared or they filed for it. And it was a rough day. <laughs> that was a rough day to start that job. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, you, you can imagine like uh, me having never done energy policy, getting thrown in this role and being like, wait, what's Ameren? What's Miranda? <laughs> It wasn't quite that bad, but it was almost that bad. Um, but so now with 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 uh, Naranda, okay. So when Naranda went bankrupt and this other outfit, Magnitude Seven Metals, owns it now, and they ended up working out a deal where they were going to get their power from Associated Electric, as opposed to yep. Ameren. Ameren just decided they were done dealing with them, and so Associated Electric took it over. But I mean. From our understanding, there's been other there's been issues with Associated Electric with this plant. Is is that right, Philip? Yeah, I mean most of the issues with the the EPA uh, concern they're having, they haven't had right. as many turbine operation maintenance issues as the Thomas Hill plant has had. Uh, but because of this high level of pollution from the two big operations being located so close together, uh, they're both contributing to the sulfur dioxide issue. So yeah. both plants also have to do uh, some upgrades to be in compliance with the EPA regulation on 
uh, their stacks on site. So that's also another level of concern uh, that they both have to deal with. Yeah, right. Um, so, but there's also a matter of cost. Yeah, and that's contributing um, to it. Not not for the electricity, but those are you know upgrade concerns that ultimately they will have to worry about if you're a consumer of power from AECI, especially with that plant. And it's also an issue for Mag7 because they buy power from them and yeah. they also have to make this upgrade in their plant as well. Now, at this point, someone might be listening to us and saying like, okay, well, there's these EPA concerns, there's these utility bill concerns, but why is Renew Missouri interested in the Magnitude 7 Metals plant? And I mean, you were referencing some some allies that we've been working on. I mean, what are those, I mean, what is, what is, what is the desire of some people that we've been working on around the country for this plant, Philip, for SICA, director yeah. programs? Yeah, so they want to keep it open. Um, it yes. contributes about 450 jobs uh, to the area. They would not like to see this plant close or have any right. sort of issues. Um, and that's you know a big part of it. But they also care as an industry because of the high level uh, it adds in terms of national security and uh, aluminum production in the United States. So we currently, as a country, import about 75% of the primary aluminum that's consumed, and only 25% of that is manufactured in the U.S. And this plant, the MAG-7 plant, uh, makes almost 30% of that U.S. aluminum uh, that is made in the country. So if that were to close, we're going to have to look at importing more uh some is going to come from countries we don't have the best relationship with. Uh, well, like who? It's China, China, Russia, China, Russia, and, UAE. Yeah, those are the, those are the big three. Uh, so, if we don't want to have to be relying on them for you know a primary uh, metal that we need for various industrial applications, including some for renewable energy projects. Well, uh, right. Really I mean, they're wanting these. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. I was going to say they want uh, as much clean energy to go onto this to this plant as possible too, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, because right right now, I mean, there's a concern with AECI; their rates are too high. Part of the reason their rates are too high is because AECI is very coal and fossil fuel dependent. When yep. energy is cheap, solar is cheap. Um, but and so there is a desire to see as much of this plant's capacity being ran off of clean energy, right? Yep. Yeah. There's uh, some research been done on that as well. So, uh, oh, really? What yep. do you got? So, Evergreen Collaborative, as part of Evergreen Action, uh, put together an analysis for co ops, uh, large co ops, and what they could do in terms of uh, transition to renewable energy thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act. And they were looking at AECI's coal plants. And for the new Madrid analysis, uh, they said it was about roughly $30 per megawatt hour for the price of coal moving forward. And having uh, some kind of local option of wind and solar would create a 33 to 30% uh, energy savings. Uh, so there's a pretty big potential for that. And there are also many different ways that they can finance it. Uh, get tax credit benefits for renewable energy, and they can also get through uh, some of the other hurdles that other developers are dealing with and getting a fast track into interconnection on a MISO. If you look at building any kind of local generation around an existing or recently retired coal plant, you get a fast track for approval. So they could also yeah. get something 
up soon and provide relief sooner than later than like say, you know, a grain belt option that's going to take longer for that to get built to actually get benefits from that power. This is something that they can do almost immediately if they wanted to, you know, go get shovel ready. I mean, what we're talking about here is they could, I mean, there are options. I mean, like, okay, so let, let me make, make sure I'm clear on this because I know we sent out a press release earlier this week. We've got an email coming out about this. We, we cited that AECI's electric rates are too high. I, I don't want to sit here and, and blame AECI for this. I mean, I know we've been very critical of them and they notice when we're critical of them and I'm sure they're going to hear this. And the thing we understand is that they don't have the same motivations about being able to lower their rates in the same way that maybe Ameren would be able to, or Evergy, or Liberty. They don't really quite have the ability to do that. I mean, they get a lot. Of, they don't get their. They don't get any money from shareholders. They don't uh, get their rates set by the Public Service Commission. But they do get a lot of money to run their operations, to build plants, to maintain plants from the United States Department of Agriculture. Something we have learned a lot about in the past three years, haven't we, Philip? <laughs> yep, sure have. Uh, and, uh, you know, we are, you know, because we had this new era um, funding that's been made available. Um, we know, we don't know for sure yet if Missouri's co-ops have applied. We've heard intelligence that maybe they have, but we haven't seen anything. Um, yep. or we we know that if they filed a letter of interest because they had to initially say we're interested in this, um, they have there's been no decision about who's going to get to file full applications because that's not going to happen for an, later in the year. Yep. So um, you know we had we had some belief, or I think that Renew Missouri had some belief that maybe uh, a solution could be worked out where um, clean energy could be uh, you know paid for from the feds. And that yep. could be used to go to this plant as well, maybe yep. at a cheaper rate, since they were getting this um, hopefully yeah, it, grant, right? Yeah, it definitely would be at a, a cheaper rate because there's um, there are a few components that kind of have a stacking effect for this program. So with New Era, you're getting a forgivable loan for previously held debt that's tied up in a coal plant. So they'll be able to wipe out existing debt from their books. They won't have to pay for the EPA compliance to upgrade the plant if they close it. Uh, they also are going to get a better uh, value for energy generated and produced because they're currently capped. So even if they wanted to run this coal plant at 100% capacity, they're not able to, which then makes the price of electricity that they do produce more expensive uh, yeah. of what it otherwise would be. So just that alone is making it extremely competitive. Uh, again, getting the debt removed, having no obligation to pay that back is also super valuable. They're also getting assets if they choose to. Uh, so there's really a, a, a whole bunch of opportunities in front of them and how they could really take advantage of that money. They could do transmission upgrades. They could buy renewable energy directly from a large PPA and another utility off of you know MISO or another RTO if they wanted to uh, get involved with that. They can also look at building local options or they could do, you know, all the above. You make some transmission upgrades, buy off grain belt, build local renewable energy around your plant. Uh, so there's really, it's really giving them the options. And, and when we were looking at New Era and, and Pace uh, and looking at how we can help co-ops, we didn't want to dictate anything to them. We wanted them to have options right. and for this to be a voluntarily positive experience where they can pick what is best for them on the list of opportunities. Yeah, because I mean, I 
And I think all that, there's there's a lot that you had in that answer. Um, I think it's very clear. Every time we've made an ask of the rural electric cooperatives in terms of wanting to push them more towards renewable energy and energy efficiency, we have not done it with this belief that the money should just magically appear from somewhere. Uh, we have not done it from the impression that they should get it from their rate payers. I mean, yeah. we have, we, I mean, we spent several years working on getting this money into some legislation um, because we knew they had trouble accessing yeah. these, this funding. And so, yeah, I want I want anyone who has any doubts or any kind of criticism of us saying that we're demanding too much of the co-ops. We are, we are, we have been spending a lot of time trying to make sure that they have the capital available to do this. First of all, yes, yes. Right? I mean, we've talked about that a lot. We've talked a lot about yeah. New Era. We've talked a lot about Leap. We've talked about a lot of money that's available to co-ops and their member owners, which would include this plant. By yeah. the way, um, then also wanting to make a point out that we're not just I mean, like, look, there are limitations that are outside of anyone's control here. I mean, you can talk about the federal government's got these limitations on how much emissions they can pump into the air. But they but that's a reality like that's that's a reality. That was something that went into effect during the Trump administration, I believe. So it's not as though this is some. You know, this is not Dark Brandon trying to shut down uh, the new manager plant. I mean, this is, these are real limitations. They are really expensive to run. They are limited by how much they can run. I believe what you said, Philip, was that the new manager plant is only at about 70% of its capacity. Yep. By the way, if you're in a rural electric cooperative service territory, the fact that like almost a third of this plant can't be used should give you some pause it seems yeah. like to me yeah definitely i mean that's part of the resource that's a large part of the resource mix um so i mean just looking at you know what else you can do because of this limitation it, it definitely can make a transition uh, more appealing than it otherwise would have been so the fact that they're having this you know negative uh, on their books and then also getting a bailout opportunity it seems like this is the best path for them to really get out of the situation and to avoid some hard uh, times ahead to really get out yeah. in front of it while they're still getting, you know, positives and getting carrots because there's nothing, you know, preventing anything negative coming down uh, in the future, making this harder, a carbon tax, other things aren't the things that we're advocating for right now uh, actively. But if some of those other policies are passed in the future. We have more guidance on there. Uh, this is only going to get harder. So there's also no guarantee there's going to be another opportunity like this to get out uh, from this coal plant or replace it with this level of incentive. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, and that's another thing we've been trying to emphasize with this Inflation Reduction Act while we have been working on trying to figure out if there's options to expand this because right now the $9.7 billion that's been allocated to this is a lot of money. Yep. But not, I mean, not the $100 billion that co-op leadership, including co-op leadership in Missouri, has said they would need to make a clean energy transition. And so we believe there are more opportunities outside of this $9.7 billion. And we, yep. also, we also understand there has been a lot of applications turned in for this program. Probably everyone who applied for something isn't going to get it. Um, no. I, I really hope Missouri is one of them. Um, I think we have a good shot at it because we are such a coal-intensive 
a cooperative area that they will see that as something, you know, it's progress for them to do anything. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, ultimately, this is still, a, that's still a slow process. Getting that money from the federal government is slow. We aren't going to know um, anything about that till maybe next year, right? Yep. And the information we have on this plant is that it is potentially going to close this magnitude seven metals plant, the smelter in Southeast Missouri. Our understanding is that's going to close by the end of the year if they don't get another buyer. Yeah. And even if they do, even if we solve the energy issue for them, the energy pricing concern, um, there are still some other big issues that they have going on. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, like, you know, I'm because I'm not saying that this is that the uh, that if they get their electricity rate figured out, it's a panacea. They they also have they also have other issues. I mean, one of the reasons why Naranda started fighting for a lower rate was because back in 2009, um, during a really nasty ice storm in um, southeast Missouri, uh, one of their one of their melting pots, they have three melting pots, which are like 15, $20 million investments. Uh, it shut down and froze after this, during this ice storm. And so it's unworkable. And I'm looking at, I just, I'm sitting here um, getting information as we, um, as we, um, as we are here, but in addition to that pot, uh, the cast house there exploded in 2015, and that requires uh, $150 million in investment. And yeah, it's 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 a lot of challenges. <laughs> there are potential buyers, but some of those buyers are contingent on whether or not they can get power there um, that is cheaper. And that's not, and let's just be clear here, that's not just renewable energy. That's not just solar and wind. They're looking at gas. And, you know, right now, like, our goal is to try to get as much renewable energy there as possible, but we know that's not going to be all it is. Um, we, But we do have a desire to see industry in this state, because I think a lot of people think, like, oh, well, all renewable Missouri does is pick on um, utility companies. But we also work with a lot of industries. We work with a lot of business groups. We are working to try to make sure that anyone who is, is you know, using a lot of electricity, one, can manage their demand. And two, once they've managed their demand, they are finding it from the cleanest sources possible. Yep. And to that extent, one of the things that we are doing is we're working with some lawmakers right now. Um, a couple of years ago, Renew Missouri was pushing for a piece of legislation uh, that uh, would allow um, companies, industries to be able to produce their own power on site or to buy it separately from the utility company. Um, we got the farthest we got with that was it got put in an omnibus pro consumer bill that was filed by Senator then Senator Gary Romine out of Farmington. He's now a commissioner on the state tax commission, but someone that I've worked with very closely when I was public counsel and I've, I've, I've tried to still continue to work closely with him. He's a very good guy. He's very much a, what I would consider to be a public servant. Um, but uh, that got put in that language, but it didn't go anywhere. That language got put into a bill, but didn't go anywhere. Um, we would like to see that language reintroduced, but it only apply to this plant. <laughs> um, so, no. Um, we're, we're looking into that. 
And we're yeah, very sad. Yeah, there's also a desire from, you know, the industry, the aluminum industry and folks that are smelting and uh, creating aluminum in the United States to have some of their facilities powered by renewable energy because they use a lot of power. They contribute a lot in terms of emissions. Um, so that's something that they're also aware of and care about and are passionate about. So there's also the opportunity that a new potential buyer might see that as a priority. That might be something they really want or see as a non-starter if they can't get uh, some kind of you know renewable energy in their mix to power it. Yeah, right. So we're working with lawmakers. We're working with industry leaders. Uh, we're looking for a solution here. Um, I, I would tell you, like, uh, I, I think it, it. We've we've tried to do this push this week because we just now I think last week got permission to uh, talk about this publicly. Yep. We do not think this is well known out there. And I think there we we sent out this press release. I've gotten no response to this press release, by the way. And I think the reason I've not gotten any response to this press release is because it's weird that it's coming from uh us. <laughs> yep. Renew Missouri. Uh I think they're like, why is Renew Missouri talking about this this aluminum plant? Um, but it's because we're working with these other groups that have brought us in and we're working with them. And, and, and two, I think just because the owners um, of this plant don't live, they, they're like in Europe and yep. they're, not, they're not really, I don't think as connected to the area as uh, Miranda owners were. Um, yep. We are trying to get the word out. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast, um, one, thank you leave a review, um, share it on your social media posts. But also I would encourage you to reach out to your state rep, your state senator and say, hey, look, um, this is happening. Uh, what What is being done about this? Are we able to get these th this company any relief? And you, know, you can start by saying they need to have some energy independence and be able to make their own power, be able to buy their own power to prevent them from closing down and knocking out 450 jobs in an area that literally cannot afford to lose any more jobs than they already have. Yeah. And we're trying to get awareness of, of elected officials about this. We're going to be doing an event on December 1st at 10 AM. That's a Friday. We're doing it in Sykeson at the Clinton building, uh, which is, um, where's that at? Um, I really should have you as my producer doing this, but uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. It is at 501 Campanella Drive in Sykeston. That's where this is going to be at 10 a.m. Uh, we've reserved that room. We are inviting press. We are inviting lawmakers. We're inviting the public. We'd like to hear them and hear what they have to say about this. Um, so um, hopefully if you're in the area, you can be there. Right, Philip? Yep, that'd be great. And yeah, and one piece we also haven't figured out yet is what'll happen uh, if this does go through and Max Seven closes. What is AACI going to do? They're still going to have uh, their coal plant there, as far as we know, and they're going to be losing a very large buyer of that generation. So, what are they going to do? How's that going to affect existing member owners that are served by AACI uh, for their bill? Right. Yeah, because I mean, I think also like we are we're trying to draw attention to the fact that what utility companies do and the decisions they make do have real world implications on businesses, on employees, 
on areas of the state. I, I think it is easy for people to look at this in an abstract to say like, oh yeah, they like renewable energy and they like energy efficiency and that's fine. Um, but what I think the real issue is, is that um, businesses are needing this low cost option. They are wanting to have something that 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 um, is is a little more environmentally friendly. This is not coming from us. This is coming from yeah. industry leaders. This is coming from corporate um, corporate management. This is coming from shareholders. This is not this is not just some liberal concept, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also a lot of price certainty that you get with some of these contracts when you're looking at yeah. large renewable energy systems and and knowing what your energy costs are going to be, especially when we've, we've seen so many rate increases across utilities uh, in Missouri in recent years that, you know, you can pretty much assume that you're going to have some level of rate increase in the future versus if you're getting in a long-term power contract, you have a good idea of what you're going to be paying for the next 20, 25 years, as opposed yeah. to having so much variability. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, so we're talking about reliability, we're talking about stability, we're talking about cost, um, and that's in addition to the other, like, kind of more altruistic benefits of this, um, of, of the health and safety and well-being of our, of our air, of our planets, um, so, I mean, I don't talk a lot about that on these, uh, just because I do believe there are, like, a lot of economic and more, uh, more tangible societal benefits to this work, but, don't forget, folks, that this is also we're also trying to solve these problems, which I think is actually also embodied by the EPA order that's down there. Yes. They are yeah. saying there's too much junk in the air and yeah. uh, we need to do something about that. Um, yeah. And that, and that goes into the good neighbor rule and all that, because when, when you look at where it's at, too, I mean, it's going directly into, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky, uh, parts of Indiana, right? right there uh, in the corner of the state. And it's, you know, at a major source of water. Uh, so you're having this high level of pollution in that corner. It's really not impacting folks in all of Missouri, but in, in that corner of the state, as well as going into uh, neighboring states around us. Uh, so oh, it's a sure. concern for, for air quality. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, this is one of those instances where, I mean, we are very aware that, that uh, uh, we are we are very much trying to um, we are very much trying to get trying to get a solution to all of those problems. And yes, I would encourage you to talk to your state rep and state senator about that. If you're in Missouri, um, if you don't know who that is, if you go to the um, um, if you go to the Missouri Legislature um, website, uh, which we will include in the email on that, but that is at. Um, either house.mo.gov or senate.mo.gov. There is a zip code lookup that if you put in your zip code, it'll tell you exactly who your state rep is and exactly who your state senator is. And that will take you to a link that has their email address, their office address, and their phone number. Call them and tell them that you're concerned about these jobs being lost. You are concerned about this plant shutting down, about its inability to reach clean energy, as and that's helping contribute to that. And we want you to look at legislation that will help with energy independence and energy freedom to let this plant continue to live and to continue to employ people. This is no joke, folks. Yeah. Um, I am trying to sound an alarm here. <laughs> yeah. And, and everything we've talked about, I mean, we've talked about these positives and all these great things they can do. And just to be yeah. clear, 
that's all available, uh, but all that takes time. So if we're going to want to actually keep this open, we need a legislative response. We need some kind of immediate help. Immediate uh, help. Yeah, there was a, a request to give some financial assistance uh, through a, a loan that was vetoed uh, by Governor Parson this summer. So that pathway has not been approved. That's not going to be available to them. Yeah. And they still need help. Everything we've talked about is going to give them a long-term solution, but they still need something in the short term if they don't want to you know, uh, prevent this bankruptcy from happening for the plant. Uh, so again, even if some other buyer comes in, they could do some of these great things we talked about to get the energy assistance they need. But again, if we don't have something happen soon, um, it's probably going to be a different entity getting all, all these nice things uh, from these federal programs down the line. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, if, if someone buys it. Yeah. If someone buys it. So, and then, I mean, who knows what happens to those people working there and between those times. So this is, this is urgent. And so, I mean, the yeah. governor, look, the governor vetoed this loan that was going to go to magnitude seven metals. He argued it was unconstitutional. I think he was probably correct in that. So we're yeah. not trying to blame governor Mike Parson for yeah. that either. It's just yeah. what, it's what he did. But I do think that the governor can call a special session. I know the legislature is coming in, uh, the 1st of January for the regular session, but he could call a special session whenever he wanted on a specific topic. He could call a special session on this specific topic and address this. And we urge him to do so. We urge lawmakers to urge him to do so um, before this is too late. Yeah. And point of bringing it up, not to, you know, uh, have an issue with the veto to your point, but just to let folks know the legislature is already somewhat aware of this, right? They had a bill yeah, on it. Yeah. They've been talking about it. So just to say, Hey, you know, there are things out there that can help down the line, but we need something to help in the short term. You already looked at this. Can you please come back together to help, you know, prevent this from happening? Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, right now I believe that's, I mean, while we wait for the federal government to go through this, if, you know, maybe that there's an opportunity for the co-ops to provide something to them, maybe not. We don't know that answer yet. In the meantime, we are trying to push for a state solution um, from Jefferson City, and uh, we're just going to keep working on that. Yep. Uh, Philip, did I leave anything out? Do we need to talk about anything else? Nope. There are a few other things we're looking at as well, uh, but we've been calling those moonshots. So we're not going to really get into the oh, policies yeah. of how that right, might be able right. to help. But yeah. um, if we can make any of that uh, work, we'll have some news uh, to share on some other ways we might be able to keep this from uh, shutting down. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. We, we very much want to do what we can because we are a group that is very interested in how energy can be a solution to other problems. Yep. Yeah, on that note, if you have any questions for me about this, I would urge you to email me at james at renewmode.org. Uh, but we also do really want you to pass this around. I mean, I always say share this on social media, but like this is a big deal. Like people need to hear this. And um, we want you to get that word out there. Don't even subscribe yet. Don't uh, <laughs> don't leave a review. Just get that out on your social media feeds and talk about this if you're listening. Um, so um, on behalf of Renew Gurus, this is James Owen and Philip Frasica. We want to thank you for listening and have a great night or a great day and a pleasant tomorrow.